I think would be good um, is we should uh, we should have a Patreon tier where people can uh-huh. send a picture of their setup, and then we spend ten minutes discussing it. Oh yeah, just rate my setup. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Yeah, for a nice uh, personal touch, right? You know, you want your favorite mm-hmm. boys roasting your setup, exactly. not uh, not the anonymous ghouls on uh, Reddit. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, so Josh, so Josh, half the reason that we we have you on, at least to briefly talk about, um, is you have a connection to the first episode that we recorded on the Hobby Lobby slash Museum of the Bible scandal. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is like layers beneath what you even got into. So you know, it's it's the Green family. They're smuggling shit in from who knows where. One of the connections is this guy named Doctor Scott Carroll was involved and he is he poses as sort of a a christian archaeologist or anthropologist anyway he taught my freshman history course in college (laughs) uh and okay it gets weirder than that this guy was like a larger than life you know character he'd say like stupid bullshit about like you know if you want to uh like you can wrestle me to determine your grade or something and he was just like completely capricious in how he graded things so he'll be like you'll get a c and then he'll be like, oh, it was a perfectly written and argued paper. I just personally disagreed with your thesis. You know, what? like what? He, this was you the kind of, yeah. The t- oh, and, and it gets even, and, and here's the, before we get even get into the, the national level crimes that this man is in, <laughs> uh, involved in, he was notorious for, instead of requiring a textbook for his classes, he there was a set of DVDs you purchased through the campus bookstore that he apparently just manufactured out of his home. Like, it's just a generic case and then, like, a printed label. And then there's just, uh-huh. oh, he's like, that's the text. You know, it's 120 bucks for this set of DVDs. So most of the way through the semester, find out, like, all of the material is pirated. Like, they're straight <laughs> up. He's distributing Google Earth on DVD. <laughs> oh, um, so this this man made up to 120 dollars of my money requiring like, <laughs> selling pirated shit at a a private christian university anyway so he's at this yourself right exactly <laughs> uh so then after that he somehow fails upward into a position at baylor university where he runs into this american guy that is somehow in charge of an oxford collection of like bible fragments or old papyri and stuff Mm -hmm. and so that guy apparently thought he had the authority to both sell and acquire new pieces from the collection but it turns out it's actually donated to oxford or like um on loan to oxford from something called like the english explorers society or something so like oxford doesn't own it this guy has no authority to it but he was selling this shit to scott carroll who was then turning it over to the greens and then i think he double crossed the greens and made off with some of the fragments and just has like a touring show where he's like check out this bible shit i have uh, that's amazing and another another fun fact is he uh he would illegally acquire uh like sarcophagi or like burial masks from egypt yeah and then he would boil them on his stovetop to separate out the layers of papyri just to see if there was an older version of a christian manuscript in there oh my god so he's like (laughs) desecrate like (laughs) this man is in i 
he's he's somehow beyond grifter and true believer he's this he's he's a very singular personality and i think an underrated and uh underexplored figure in american life uh huh. and i yeah i i took a, an ancient history course with him in 2009 that sounds like the course of a lifetime. That's that's incredible. <laughs> I, so um, yeah. Would he come on the show? I don't. I uh, Josiah, if you could make enough of like a, he he might actually. Oh no, that would be because now I feel obligated to make this happen. Right. right. I mean, there's oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I wonder if he's one of those guys that would like name search or something. But I there there's a like an element of getting away with this is a certain shamelessness and i don't think right like it really involves like uh messing you know like answering the haters too often like it is something else i, w I would consider us more like adoring fans aspiring um <laughs> well i mean okay. especially like because of uh all these goddamn dead sea scrolls that we have. <laughs> right like clearly, clearly we're, not, we're not talking scrolls. shit we're we're on board Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I mean, this guy is the leading expert in the uh, the line of work you you want to get in. Um, exactly. So I, I mean, there is a void in uh, selling pirated um, history texts to uh, undergrads. I've been trying to, to break send... into that market for a long time. Just I would love to send an email to him, really well written and professional, telling him that I have over a thousand fake Dead Sea Scrolls and I gotta get rid of them. I don't know how. <laughs> We've Can you got please help a me? fire sale? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, he's, I'm sure he's always trying to find uh, new supply lines. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I could. I, I'm sure I could make the introduction somehow. Perfect. That'd Perfect. be great. We, we would love that. So, so Josh, yes. in 2009, you took an ancient history course. Have you done anything else with your life? We should, oh man we should, we should introduce the show before we start bombarding him. right <laughs> <laughs> oh shit we don't have anything to uh well we'll, uh, we'll have to think think for a second here um no i got it, i got it okay hey, right. uh thank you uh welcome to very legal very cool a podcast about ancient history and the manson murders is that good i think nah. that's good I, no, Jared doesn't like it. Okay. Oh, that's not enough uh, net positivity to keep going, huh? We gotta. No, no, we're we're stuck. Damn this happens it. every episode. <laughs> Just... Every every episode, I say something, and Jared's like, "Nah, I got something better," and then it sucks too. <laughs> god, god damn it! The trick is, you just need to roll with it and keep going, Josiah. Don't let the haters slow you down. Okay. Be like Still Scott Carroll. Yeah. Uh, well, well, welcome to Very Legal, Very Cool, a podcast about boiling sarcophagi to find the Manson murders. We're getting somewhere. <laughs> I, We're moving on. We're moving on. That, that tickled me. So. <laughs> Josh, in 2009, you took an ancient history class. Have you done anything else with your life? Uh, bar barely some some things i mean I, I guess i should just come clean i, I really am just some dipshit from twitter <laughs> at this point um but yeah i mean i've uh sort of i guess my 20s were sort of nomadic after that point graduated college uh worked in a factory for a bit tried grad school for a year failed that moved back in with my parents for a while uh wound up moving to chicago and alternately being a wedding video editor slash wedding wedding video videographer then the manager of a 
video department in an absurdly short amount of time. Huh. <laughs> uh, unemployed for four months, Target for like a year and a half, uh, then got a job working on AV shit at a conference center that was owned by one of the biggest um, accounting corporations in the world. Uh, and then pandemic. So here we are. Uh, <laughs> so basically the classic millennial story. Yeah, yeah, that. And uh, intermittently I've recorded podcasts and made videos and uh, posted a lot of dumb shit on Twitter. Uh, oh, yes. And that's, I think that's that's a pretty good encapsulation of yeah. my activities over the past decade or so. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah, well, nobody. Nobody is gonna listen to that. Like, we're nobody's gonna listen to anything that comes after this. I'm. Yeah, you, so sorry. <laughs> we're done. Now. No, no, it's good. It's good. I mean, our last guests involved uh, somebody saying they were platinum on Rocket League was like what their thing was. So okay, I mean that's that's <laughs> like a that's marketable skill in in some quarters. <laughs> some quarters, I think. Uh, should, um, yeah, uh, Josh, I know the answer to this question, but what's your podcast and is it any good? Uh, yeah, my podcast is Odd Splice. It's broadly about film, media, culture, theory. Uh, it's good. I like it. I like making it, and I think some people have enjoyed listening to it. Uh, so you should it. check it out. Mm -hmm. um, I think by the time this come out comes out, uh, Josiah will have already appeared on Odd Splice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was a very fun time. My my favorite tanky film podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> The one and only tanky film podcast. <laughs> As if most of the cultural output of the left isn't just movie review podcasts <laughs> at the end of the day. That's, that's about most of what we've done until Black Lives Matter, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, movie reviews and trivia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, well, that's like a, that's, that's still like breaking out of that Obama era paradigm where it's like, all right, so we've the, you know, we've got our first black president. He's going to fix everything. Now let's just get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, our superhero movies woke enough or not and, <laughs> uh that's that's gonna be just what the left cares about for eight years <laughs> yeah just gonna be listening or, to audiobooks of the state and revolution and call that good yep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm trying to think of any other question i think i think we've introduced josh pretty properly. yeah i mean that that's yeah. that's one of the most thorough uh character sketches of me i think that's available in any public yeah. forum so <laughs> there we go first ever here on very legal very cool get to know the real josh right the real josh. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm trying to think of hard-hitting questions uh what's what's the meaning of life josh go for it be excellent to each other i mean i think yeah i think bill and ted really said it all yeah um looking <laughs> forward to the third movie um it looks delightful <laughs> i think that's that's what's going to save us is just the agreed the dumb positivity of bill and ted will carry us into the future we are all overdue for an excellent adventure you're on a you're on a film podcast what's the best movie the best movie um the long kiss good night probably i think that kind of okay i've never seen it yeah gina davis it's uh it's great samuel L. jackson's in there Shane Black wrote nice. it. I think it, yeah. Nice. I'll watch it sometimes. You were a videographer for for a spell. Have you done any short film work? Uh, I've worked on some film uh short film sets in college. Um, as far as my own video work, I've done like a yeah video video essay, which I guess is a short mm -hmm. film of a of a type. Uh, something I'm looking to do more of. Our podcast shared 
one of the last video essays you did, I think. Yes. I think we shared it with our Twitter. It was very good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. I'm, I'm glad. I know Josiah is one of three comments on that podcast. and I said yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's really all that needs to be said. My video is good Terrific. and pe more people should watch it. Uh, yeah. Succinct and to the point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I guess we could get to the real reason why you guys wanted me on here. Yeah, I mean, I mean briefly, aside from like how about the... how fascinating I am as a person and a subject of study, because uh, yeah. you know, my... well, it was mostly the Dead Sea Scroll thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we've kind of gotten that out of the way already. Yeah, we, we really, I, I don't really some... know that we need to go on with anything now. Yeah, we got so many Dead Sea Scrolls, but <laughs> but before but... we get to that, we 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 do have one very important question oh, that has shit, not been asked shit. yet, and that is, shit. what are you drinking? Oh man! Uh, at at the moment, um, I'm I'm finishing off a rather large can of Red Bull because nice. I needed that. I I have been a little a little sleepy all day, so I'm hoping it's uh, going to maintain my energy levels for for what we're doing yeah. right now. Hell yeah. Right, and now you'll remain like a little sleepy all night. Yeah, it's just going to be kind of a haze from here on out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I also have like a half smoked um, bowl of that green stuff that we all yeah. love. Mm. That's uh, I have a couple I have a couple Coors Banquet beers on deck just in case and um, nice. and uh, and a highball of Japanese whiskey. Uh, so we're, um, fantastic. I I feel like I need just, to get some shots in front of me then. I, right, because I mean this is gonna be this is gonna be the hard hitting real stuff. We're gonna enter some altered states and just uh, contemplate the. Uh, the eternal truths of the universe, I think. Fantastic. I, Josiah, I, after, after yours, I've, I've got a proposition to make, but we'll, okay. we'll finish this up first. Well, I, I'm drinking a wild berry truly because, again, seltzers are all I can drink. That being truly, said, please sponsor tr us. truly, yes, truly recently posted on Twitter saying that they want to sponsor people. And let me tell you, the amount of Trulies that I've drank while recording this podcast is basically a sponsorship already. So just send me a free case, and I will drink them for every episode. Terrific. And I am drinking a Arizona iced tea, Arnold Palmer. <laughs> but, you know, we're about to get into kind of a, a heavy-hitting topic. It's pretty dark and could maybe use a little bit of levity. So I propose, since Josh is already ready, do we want to make a drinking game out of it? Oh my god. <laughs> well, okay, so I was going to mention that I think I've progressively gotten drunker per episode every episode. Mm -hmm. And the Mr. Hands episode last, I got pretty trashed. Um, uh -huh. So that means I have to get very trashed, I think, this episode. I've actually yet so to down. be even slightly drunk i don't think i've had more than one I, beverage i just on have an oral fixation so done. i don't realize i'm drinking um like in our just like talking before we started recording i'm on my third truly so oh nice <laughs> yeah there we go nice. <laughs> that's like, a, yeah, that's a pace in, so <laughs> all right all right so so what are the rules here um okay i mean you have to drink a whole drink of some sort if we mention capitalism Oh God! <laughs> uh, I don't know if I stand by that. I it's sure gonna don't. get there. Uh, it's gonna get there. It always gets there. All right, let's think of three phrases: the the name Manson, the CIA, <laughs> okay, yeah, and yeah. capitalism. Anytime okay. 
any of those hits, we get the... And we take a drink. All right. I, um, Manson, CIA, capitalism. Or, so is it just take a drink or do we want like a full... No, we shouldn't finish a drink. I, no, j- no, just no. Want, we'll I feel sporting. like we're going to be saying this a lot. So <laughs> Yeah, that's... Uh... I really don't have room for like 25 <laughs> drinks tonight. <laughs> I want to survive the episode is kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> so... Uh, so this episode's kind of unique um, in that usually we pick out a topic with a guest and then they kind of, we kind of just all peruse it. And yeah, I think Austin might be the closest to what we're doing this time where he had kind yeah. of a thought behind it. But this time Josh has a thesis um, and then has us look at like four Wikipedia pages and try to vaguely understand how he's going to connect these four things. And it is and my understanding that right, he has read an entire book on it. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or it's a, it's, there is an entire book that uh, informed this thesis. Um, awesome. You should, so, yeah, what's the book? Uh, the book is called uh, Chaos, Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the 60s. <laughs> nice. So that's two drinks there. Oh, yeah. nah. <laughs> All right. That it is. Uh, I actually have to grab some alcohol. I'll be right back. All right. <laughs> Jared, do two drinks. Okay. <laughs> I now have a uh, unintentionally super stiff rum and coke. So, hell yeah. Okay, that that's Costco a rum. That's so, a so classic chaos. beverage. It really so is. Chaos. T- tell us about chaos. Chaos. So the background on this book is this en- entertainment reporter Tom O'Neill got an assignment from like some old film magazine. It's not Variety. It's like Preview or something. Anyway, they don't exist. Or Premiere. It was called Premiere Magazine. And they're like, hey, uh, it's about 30 years since the Manson murders. Do you want to, like, interview some of the people who are still alive and maybe do, like, a... Oh, hey. Oh, shit. hey um, This is going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be a little... Get your wills in now, boys. <laughs> oh, God. So he's uh, he's interviewing all the people uh, in, involved with the Tate-LaBianca murders, you know, because they're still alive. Uh so he was supposed to write that piece. It never got published. The magazine folded. And from 1999 until 2019, the <laughs> there's nothing. This guy's just working on it. And then he publishes oh, wow. it 2019. And it's like oh, all so of his findings. Like really recent. Yeah. Yeah. Came out yeah. last year. Um, huh. So he he counters the narrative, right? So mm-hmm. what, do you, what do we think of when we think of... Uh, the Tate LaBianca murders or Charles Manson. I'm waiting for it there. <laughs> so can can we take a step back real quick and for people who may not be overly familiar with the Manson story, do a quick overview of yeah. uh, of the murders? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we could do that. Uh, that's even a complicated story, but we all know uh, Charlie, old, old Charlie M., uh, <laughs> you know, he has the uh, the Manson family. Uh, God damn it. This was a bad idea. <laughs> uh, so it's, he basically has a gang of hippies, a lot of young women, some dudes. They do a lot of like weird petty crime and stuff. Uh, they take LSD and he's 
weirdly in with some people on the fringes of the music industry like he knows a beach boy so he's kind of a fixture between the hate ashbury in 1967 and la and by 1969 like the spawn ranch he's he's kind of just this figure in the 60s counterculture and then sort of the actual culture producers of the time he knows a guy named terry melcher who is a music producer he lived at a house and then moved out and then Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate and some of their friends were in this house. And then on the night of August 9th, morning of August 10th, 1969, uh, three people, members of the Manson family, entered the house and killed everybody inside. Um, yeah, drink. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, the LaBiancas were killed uh, the next night at a, at a different house. Then there was a very drawn out and very public trial in which the district attorney of Los Angeles, I don't know what actually what his office is, but uh, the, the prosecutor, uh, Vincent Bugliosi, proved that Charles Manson had directly ordered uh, the murders, and it was based on Helter Skelter, which was his term for an apocalyptic race war in which black people would rise up, kill white people, and then his chosen remnant rise atop the ashes and run the show. Uh so that's that's kind of the official reason why Charles Manson was put in prison in the first place. Yay. Um so yeah, that's that's the big that's the big thing. Uh in case you weren't aware, there's been a lot of I feel like, you know, the this book came out last year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out last year. I, I was I was gonna it was say the, kind of like it was entered the the consciousness. Yeah, well, it was the, the, with the Tarantino well, movie. Yeah, well, and and the fiftieth anniversary of of such a big yeah. cultural event. Um, well, he also died in twenty seventeen. That's like, true. Super yeah, recently. Yeah. So yeah. it was. It was I didn't all... realize it was that recent. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of weird. Uh, oh man, there was a whole dust up between various people who claim paternity or whatever on who gets Charles Manson's remains and stuff. And... So if we want to get into like, in some ways it's a crackpot theory and, and I feel like I can explain it to a point to where it makes sense in a, in a real person way, and not just Perfect. my private mind language. Um, yes, and Very Legal, Very Cool is the podcast of real people. <laughs> we love crackpot theories, just to be yeah. very clear. Well, we, um, we love crackpot theories, but we've mostly dismantled them. So this is like, this is going to be a fun, we're the jury of your Right, you're, we exactly. got to put this, we're, we're putting this through the test. And uh, I think, uh, breaking kayfabe for a second, I think kind of what we're talking here is going to be subject matter for some kind of audiovisual project of mine uh, coming up nice. at some time, um, just because this is what I've been obsessed with for, for a few months now, basically since okay. the beginning of Quora. So my thesis is that the Tate-LaBianca murders are part of a magical ritual that has inaugurated the 21st century or okay. gave or gave birth oh. to the 21st century. Fascinating. And so I'll go behind that. That's basically what the uh, the Alan Moore graphic novel From Hell, which I haven't read. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Another theme on this show. I'm, I, yeah. yeah but uh, I'm familiar enough with like Alan Moore's work and I've heard him speak on this topic, but like a, a sort of central conceit or device in From Hell is that um you know it deals with a fictionalized version of the of the jack the ripper murders or the whitechapel murders mm -hmm. in the 1880s and so he portrays it sort of literally in the text as part of a ritual that 
ensures male dominance over women for the course of the 20th century. Like the fate of the 20th century sort of takes its basic shape in that event. Mm. Um, you know, those those actions, those energies, and who had influenced all sort of like cascades into something else. Like there was a certain scientific discovery or like there were some experiments that disproved the theory of ether, which I think was, you know, like some quantum physics shit. Anyway, like this long-standing theory had finally been disproven. Um, all these sort of other forces coalesce around this event. And then this is like this horrifying thing that draws a lot of, you know, fear and anxiety. Uh, and then, you know, the 20th century goes on to, you know, Adolf Hitler's born around the time of the Jack the Ripper murders. You know, there's all these weird mm -hmm. sort of overlapping things that sort of occur historically in proximity to this thing. So I personally think as far as American culture is concerned, we're stuck in a sort of post-Manson time loop, basically. And now we're finally mm -hmm. shaking that out. We're like hitting a crisis point where we have to kind of ditch the uh the old things but like the the sort of forces react of reaction that are aligned against what's happening now are are trying to maintain the dominance of a mindset that was really cemented by the event of the tate labianca murders i want to do a quick thing just to make sure we're like kind of like <laughs> making sure people are tracking with us um <laughs> that was because, a lot no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I'm thinking, I'm thinking from a from a philosophy perspective i think a lot of people could mistakenly think when you say this was a ritual that performed the following thing they're taking that very literally right now and yeah. thinking like oh yes a spell has been cast as you kind of mean more a symbolic thing right it's uh yeah. i think i kind of believe in in you know we there's emotional energy and stuff in it and it um mm -hmm. like we're in control of it but we're not in control of it it's always determined by like well, like the zeitgeist yeah yeah there's yeah. uh yeah, there's something outside of just human willpower. Like, there is sort of a right. chaotic element or, you know, something that takes shape when enough people sort of agree on some things or uh, what have you. Um, but yeah, that, that language of magical ritual, uh, what I want to sort of evoke by that is how we produce or allocate meaning, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, what sort of yeah. carries the most weight in our culture? Like, what are our, sure. our values, for lack of a better term? Um, and how do we transfer that? And one of the big things there is media. We're more mediated and atomized than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, usually, like, for most of the 20th century, like, how value was sort of produced is institutions. Um, so, like, museums, like, this is how we judge what the best art is. This is the stuff we've deemed, like, valuable forever. Right. We built a giant, expensive building. It's, it's sort of prestigious to support the endeavors of this institution. So that's how we sort of like, okay, this is the highest value. And then culture sort of like follows or flows down from that. Uh, so uh, like, who, anyway. Who is the, who, sorry, who is the media theorist that you're referencing there? Because we oh, talked about yeah. that briefly on Odd Splice when I was on. Right, yeah, yeah. Um. So that, what I'm kind of getting at with that is uh, uh, a writer named Boris Groys, who's, um, he writes a lot about like, yeah, media theory, aesthetics, uh, stuff like that. He's very heavily involved with like the art curation world. Um, so he's kind of a, okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, you kind of start with institutions and that's sort of the archive, what we as a society value the most. Um, 
so yeah, values are, are held up by by an institution, but how does an institution decide something is important? So that's where we experience the new. It's sort of the admission of a new thing into the archive, which makes us feel like there's infinite possibility. And so like that that made sense for sort of a more enlightened or modern rationalist era because the the way in which that stuff is communicated was still like limited and very much controlled um, at different at different levels by um, like professors or you know experts right. just in general depending on your body of knowledge like it's okay we have everybody's an expert in a thing and it's we sort of build a culture out of out of that. Um, so over the 20th century, you have this uh, proliferation of communications technologies, right? Mm-hmm. So 20th century, we had the telegraph. We had sort of a basic network of international communication through the post and some electronic means. But, uh, you know, radios were still new. Um, the, the pace of information was still at, you know, we were opening up new connections, but it's still able to be processed at a certain level. And now it's like there's everything everywhere available all the time, like... Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, these archives are open up to us. So there's no longer, since the fall of maybe the Soviet Union, like it's just been this diminishing of the scope of cultural production. If yeah. that uh, just everything yeah, devolves okay, yeah. into, well, not yeah, and so the, and, and the, the archive, yeah. because the archive is kind of a democratized thing at this point because of the, right, you know, whatever. Um, it's, it's atomized. Yeah. It's, so what yeah. what sort of happened is like this proliferation of communication technology has sort of disrupted how we found or allocated meaning in the past, and so now people don't really know what's true anymore because the way in which we determine how things are true are just disrupted as there's so much noise in the signal that it's hard to make a judgment call based on the evidence we've been traditionally told to pay attention to mm-hmm. yeah there's no way that made sense but anyway so this is all to say that the way we sort of create meaning or assimilate or find new meaning is, is heavily mediated and we there is more ways to sort of figure out how things are true than ever so i feel like conspiracy theory ties in with that because that's about that's like the limit of provable knowledge right mm-hmm. there's always a gap in the information so you kind of have to like fill it in with uh something else right well it's it's kind of cyclical right like the media creates the the culture and the culture in turn creates the media and now we have that feedback loop just happening a million times a second everywhere across the world yeah so this is all to say in, in american culture the, the since the charles manson thing was such a such a colossal mediated event like it just sort of haunts everything like you can um there's a book i forget who it's by but it's called creepy crawling and it's like a history of like a cultural history of charles manson as it's reflected in in american media since the 60s and so it gets into a lot of like oh this is what people were insecure about at the time so they were you know doing this and then oh, this horror movie picked up on this aspect of the killing and it exemplifies this fear that was brought up by this. And it kind of goes like that. So there's something about the fear and insecurity that is evoked by the Manson murders that we're still dealing with. Like we haven't figured out how to conquer that necessarily. And I think that's kind of like why, uh, like especially in America, like there's just no sense of wanting to deal with new or complex things. It's all about managing a closed system, which is why, you know, there has been absolutely like no response to a pandemic that we've seen other nations handle pretty easily or comparatively easily. So, um, so I'm kind of tracking with what you're saying, but I, I yeah. guess I'm not quite making the connection with the Manson, like how how the Manson murder itself is actually 
the uh, uh, kind of the the foundation of of this, or or where where specifically are those ripple effects coming and manifesting? Does that make yeah. sense? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think a lot of it is the also. way. We, um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I think it affected the way our institutions are set up. Um, so like. Before Manson, uh, like the prison industrial complex wasn't really in mm -hmm. full gear yet. You know, that wouldn't come until the mid 70s. But there became a fear less of competing ideologies or state power, but a fear of your fellow man. Um, so it, it appears after a wave of relative um, political optimism in the, in the civil rights movement and the counterculture in, in the late 60s, like this is the thing people can point to and see like that hippie shit is bad look what it produced right. it made a manson murder it became another way to sort of shut down a lot of positive change in society and it retrenched the domination of you know structures we're still dealing with today and it's all come to a head in uh the current moment <laughs> okay yeah yeah uh, I, i'm tracking yeah 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 it's it's a tenuous thing but i, I think there's i i've found yeah, the Manson murders itself and sort of the place in its culture and, and the way it's portrayed, especially in Tom O'Neill's book, is as an interesting way to sort of read events or the history of the latter half of the 20th century. Because it, like, so much, yeah, there's just so many, like, weird domino effects that come after that. Well, so you were saying specifically fear of your fellow man rather than fear of institutions was the result of Manson? Yeah, that's that's pretty much pretty much it. Because every because right, that's yeah. that's really good. That's I mean that's kind of an interesting thing because I I do see like that's yeah when I, I think of the seven the seventies specifically I think of uh, the rise of like uh, you know uh, panics about cults and murders and whatnot. Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's it, yeah, and the institutions are the thing that's protecting you from your fellow man mm -hmm. who's a violent rioter or whatever, uh, rather than the institution being the thing that should be feared. Right, right. It's uh, we became more afraid of since um after maybe the assassination of martin luther king and malcolm x mm -hmm. and just the general political um turmoil at the end of the 60s uh you know assassination of jfk uh you know there there was never less faith in american institutions than maybe now like uh right like a big part of the thing at the time was the church committee hearings where we sort of air out some of the cia's dirty laundry uh you know it's you know watergate and all that oh, hey, CIA. Mm -hmm. CIA. yeah um and so and then the failure of left politics in recent memory um you know you got civil rights but like the any professing leftist group uh worth their salt got infiltrated and wrecked by law enforcement of <laughs> various stripes um so that all failed so then it just all became like well all i can do is just improve myself um and then we became very afraid of individual pathologies rather than the oppressive power of the state because it's at least something that felt like it was controllable because the state was willing to flex enough to destroy any dissent whatsoever beyond a certain threshold like about as much as they were going to tolerate was kind of the, right. the hate ashbury stuff because it, it only questioned some things but left some other things alone especially like uh with regards to gender relations and, and sexuality like there it sort of questioned the the nuclear family but it still preserved a gender hierarchy weirdly enough yeah, um, yeah. Huh. and so so man manson would have been you know an expression you know he was the dark side of the hippie movement Right, and it just confirmed people's worst suspicions of that. Where it, at one point, it was 
sort of seen as a, like, oh, we can undo the worst excesses of our society if we just, you know, think in, in this way. Um, but it never went far enough because at the same time, the FBI was uh, eradicating the Black Panthers and, uh, you know, actual communist parties, or at least, you know, discrediting them to the point of irrelevancy. So yeah, it just, uh, the, the concerns of your quote-unquote average American became very different uh, through the course of the 70s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, yeah, I do see this, like, this representation of, like, the atomizing of Americans, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I follow it. It's taking me a second. This is kind of a weird episode. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Used to, I'm not, no, in, a, in not a bad way, but just, like, I'm, like, actually having to process what's being said right now, because it's, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I, I guess I'll put the disclaimer that I have not worked for like three months, so I've just been like <laughs> dicking around in my apartment, uh, reading books and um, posting and uh, <laughs> watching rad Twitch streams and gaming. And, uh... <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I have enough training to be sort of serious in my in my thoughts and I, and I you know, can mm -hmm. back them up in, in maybe the, uh, I don't know what the correct form is yet, but uh, I don't know, gra grain of salt. I just, I've just found all of this interesting and, and helpful to a certain degree for my own uh, so, outlook, so I guess. You... When you uh, mentioned this, the other two topics you mentioned that you haven't brought up are Ooh. MK Ultra and Operation Chaos. Um, mm -hmm. Well, Operation Chaos, you've hinted at, you haven't yeah. explicitly said, but talking about the yeah infiltration of yeah uh, um, groups, I really quickly yeah. did want to throw out there. So uh, the original plan for this episode was we were just going to be back to Jared and I, no guests, and we were going to talk about MK Ultra. So I was happily delighted when you sent us the Wikipedia page. Oh, for yeah. It's made an appearance because there's a handful of topics that are in kind of the thematic universe of VLBC mm -hmm. from conversations between Jared and I for like the last two years that we haven't actually formally brought up on the podcast yet. So like we finally brought up uh, John McAfee last episode, McAfee. Oh um, hell yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who's he's in the thematic universe. We're trying to get him on. Yeah, I, I uh, wish that guy MK Ultra. I honest to God wish uh McAfee had the platform Elon Musk does because I think he's like a productive oh kind of crazy. Uh, weirdly <laughs> enough. Um like huh. he, yeah, it's a different I uh may Maybe cut that out. I don't know if I want to stand by that. Uh, it sounded right to say at the time. <laughs> I feel like I feel like um, I know what you're saying, and I'm not sure that I agree. But also, yeah. uh, I mean, I it, 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 it gets you think I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you uh, of the video of John McAfee's um, uh, fisting song and see if you stand by that. <laughs> oh God, he would. Right. Yeah, there, there is a documentary yeah. about him, and he is. Ugh. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is. <laughs> He's something not else. a great guy, um, but no, no, not a good man. Uh, not at all. Not at all. Where? But, okay, uh, where were you going before I had to uh, have oh, my yeah. my hot McAfee take? <laughs> I'm keeping. I'm keeping the McAfee we, take. In. Yeah, I where? know. Yeah, that's that's your prerogative <laughs> as uh, as one of the hosts. So I can't uh, I can't blame you for that. I mean, I didn't uh, I didn't sign anything. So I. I kind of know in the back of my head where this connection is, but MK Ultra was the was <laughs> what we have left out that we need to get into, man. Yeah, um, I yeah, I feel like MK Ultra has been um, yeah burbling beneath the surface of this show from the beginning, um, and I'm yes. I'm uh, I'm honored uh, that you're allowing me to take part in the uh, official debut. 
of Project <laughs> MK Ultra in the, into the very legal, very cool uh, podcast it universe. Is, you could argue that's what started this show about yeah. a decade ago. So, <laughs> actually, you literally could argue yeah, that. Yeah, I I'm believe not, that. I'm not going to talk about that. But let's let's get going in it. Let's dive in. Yeah. Uh, so Project MK Ultra is where the U.S. government, specifically the CIA, was involved in. Uh, <laughs> secretly dosing people with LSD and other psychedelic compounds, um, both military and civilian, for a very long time. And oh, they did they did some very bad things um, and learned some very bad stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. The I mean, it, it's if you want to understand the reality of American power, uh, American empire, what have you. Um, mm -hmm. All you need to know is a cursory understanding of MKUltra and maybe the Iran-Contra scandal. And and can I, can I jump in with a, a story there? Yes. I think one uh, one aspect of MKUltra that just paints a very succinct picture of how how terrible it really was um, is Operation Midnight, Midnight Climax. And I believe it was George White was the officer running it. But essentially what they did is they rented out a bunch of apartments, rigged them up with two-way mirrors, and would hire prostitutes to bring uh, bring people in, and they would then just dose them with LSD, and that was, in some cases, it. Like, it, it got to the point, there was a, you know, outside of Midnight Climax, there was uh, an employee who committed suicide after he was dosed with LSD as a prank. Yeah. Like, it absolutely we'll insanity the, we'll, we'll definitely go into yeah. more more detail we'll have an episode yeah. on this episode. alone yeah i mean it's it, yeah. it's like i'm yeah this is just like a soft introduction and maybe like maybe a new connection a new constellation that's forming in the mk ultra mm -hmm. universe because like we know a lot but i think there's a there's a lot of documents that were destroyed or never recovered or turned right. over in the um like we know it exists but like yeah, we, we don't we actually know what they forgot to destroy yeah yeah uh right because it was it was uh those people broke into that federal building and and got the documents mm -hmm. in the first place um, yeah the only reason we know yeah. what we know is because they were mislabeled and put in the wrong building and right. later accidentally <laughs> uncovered um yeah so uh right cia deeply fucked up institution absolutely demonic uh needs to be destroyed um <laughs> uh this podcast is anti-cia yeah fuck you the cia <laughs> damn it. goddamn cia <laughs> i'm almost through truly four. Oh man God. that's uh the whiskey's gone um we're we're a decent way into some beer um fantastic i might yeah at this rate i might have to call a uh an audible and go get more drinks but it's not right now so um okay mk ultra so what is how what the fuck does mk ultra have to do with charles manson maybe nothing maybe a lot <laughs> let's hear a lot okay so this this is a major spoiler for the book chaos by tom o'neill the book itself is interesting it's a really compelling narrative in and of itself like uh and so I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent about spoilers but i do want to say just like well i mean i guess it's incumbent on you to put a little like time marker but i do want to be like if you feel so inclined to read the book uh feel free to like m miss out on the next little bit here but it's also kind of the whole point of the fuck it i mean i'm just gonna say it uh so there was this guy dr Jollyon west who was a big part of mk ultra uh he was responsible for killing an elephant with lsd at some point huh. 
Jesus Christ. Um, but he was sort of like the the mad genius or like the fringe figure. There's a couple things that Tom O'Neill publishes in this book that I think are new information regarding these figures. Uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Jolly Young West, who CIA dude, worked on MK Ultra. These are provable. Uh, boop, boop, boop. Um, wait, wait, wait. MK Ultra is not a. He said the other word before that, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did. Um, so in the course of uh, Tom O'Neill's investigation, he found that Dr. Jollyon West kept an office in a free clinic that was frequented by Charles Manson in like 1967, hmm. you know, immediately before relocating to the Spawn Ranch. Um, so you think that's going to be the thing that breaks the whole case open, but he can never prove it. He can put those two guys as having names associated with a place at a certain point in time, but he just can't prove that these guys ever met each other. Charlie becomes a lot more interesting if you want to take the imaginative leap that well, I don't, I the don't CIA, think it's an imaginative leap. Right. That um, uh, the CIA uh, was supplying Charles Manson with the amount of LSD needed to do what he did, either as, as a dealer, um, but he also seemed to have some knowledge of how most effectively to sort of influence people while they're under influence of the drug. Um, right. So I think that regardless of whether or not the CIA fun- or actually provided Manson with uh, LSD directly or not um, is obviously not irrelevant. But regardless, I think that they are still at fault for it because there's a strong argument to be made that the, that uh, Project MK Ultra birthed the hippie movement as we know it. Because that's uh-huh. um, there, there's good evidence well, that that is how yeah, I- LSD got to the public at all i i don't i don't want to dive too deep into it because mm-hmm. that is going to be one of the major topics in the like future yeah. episode we do about mk ultra but um like it is pretty solidly confirmed at this point that jerry garcia from the mm-hmm. grateful dead was um an mk ultra guy oh, among, yeah. like a handful of other people um uh, and so, i mean like, that's that's another thing yeah. that's that's kind of touched on in uh in Tom O'Neill's book uh, is so you have that, that dual, not only was the CIA interested, interested in uh, drugs and doing the MK ultra stuff. They were also super interested in influencing American culture itself at the time. Mm-hmm. So now we have, you know, we know the department of defense regularly, like just loans shit out to Hollywood in exchange for uh, script control, um, basic censorship right. powers. Um, I don't know. CIA was trying to make ends in the entertainment industry around this time. Like California, like, let me put it this way. Like Philip K. Dick's books are basically mm-hmm. nonfiction. Like there were weird oh, dudes just like around in California in the sixties. Um, in fact, in Tom O'Neill's book, the, the freakiest chapter, uh, involves a man named like Reeve Whitson or something. Um, his name's mm-hmm. Reeve. Uh, Apparently, he never gets mentioned in any real uh, discussions of um, the Tate-LaBianca murders, but there's this guy named Reeve who was friends with Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski and was probably a CIA agent. And he was just around, and everybody's like, he's weird and and huh. spooky and whatnot, and there's not really a lot of information on him. Like, Tom O'Neill found the guy's, like, wife and daughter, and he's like, they're like... Yeah, we don't know what he did, but he was not around very often and was very cold and distant and fucked up. Um, Fascinating. But there, there is an unconfirmed or uh, 
I don't think there's like material evidence, but there was there's somebody told Tom O'Neill that this guy called him before the police were involved with the murders and said something like, I tried to stop it. I didn't get here in time. But there's like a CIA dude who maybe had prior knowledge of this and was huh. maybe responsible for Manson's uh, introduction into Hollywood as sort of a weird, we don't know. There's, yeah, this um, this book like just skirts up right against the edge of like provable stuff. So he'll like report like, hey, this person told me this, said this corroborated it. I've got a little story I wanted to, to connect to this. So I, Josh, you talked a lot about, you know, the government getting involved in the media and how that, uh, and the connections there with the Manson murders. Um, and there's there's a little, uh, an interesting rabbit trail I want to go down real quick, and uh, I'll have you guys kind of suspend your disbelief and accept that our, the, upper, the upper class is all involved in satanic rituals. And there's okay. a theory, there's a theory that one of these, one of the, the tenets of, of these satanic rituals rituals is that they cannot bring anything about that has not been um that they had, that they don't have permission for and so they need to get permission from you know quote unquote society to to do the cataclysmic events or whatever that they they do and the the theory is that they do this through popular culture so apparently the rules are pretty loose and simply by making a movie like i don't know contagion they can right. get that permission that they need from society yeah. to complete their their ritual and and actually bring it about. And I think that that, that whole thing does actually tie into this, tie into this uh, pretty well. I um, I agree with you, kind of. Uh, in a symbolic way, I assume. I, uh, that's kind <laughs> of, that might be up for debate. You get to a certain point. Yeah. Um, it's like there's there's sort of a irrationalist sort of um like magical discourse way to talk about it but i yeah. i find it like right it works as a really good metaphor for things that are actually happening but then it's like the metaphor gets so good at a certain level it's like oh so okay like my... there there's something about ideas becoming real that freaks mm -hmm. people out and because it does happen um but go for it before i totally, yeah, my my yeah. operating definition of magic is is generally just things that things that happen that we don't understand and frankly you know this might just be be a little bit of my crazy but you know i'm i'm not fully discounting that there is a, a witchcraft or something that we call witchcraft that that does exist in the world today in some form or another. It's likely not the way that it's portrayed in the media or anything like that. Yeah. But I, I I would not be surprised in the least because this is something that that has been consistent all throughout history, yeah. even up until the present day, um, <clears throat> through many different religions. Like you know, if, if you take the Bible literally, then there's really no question witchcraft is real, right? Um, and so. Yeah, I, I, I think that to to just say, well, no, symbolically is no, yeah, no it's potentially literally. Yeah, it's yeah. Redu it's reductive because it's right. like uh yeah, I think like the language of magic may seem corny, but I think it's it's at least an attempt to describe something we can't really describe with our scientific tools right now. Right. And and if um, we do believe that yeah. there is, you know, either either a god or some sort of spiritual world yeah. outside of this and that there is that there are conduits to it that aren't necessarily 
what we generally think of as the, yeah. as the conduits, then yeah, yeah. there, there is certainly I, a right. place for it. Yeah, I think I think there is a power that exists in a real way outside of humanity or as a cumulative effect of humanity. Um, mm -hmm. But so whether or not we're sort of, I don't know which direction that power flows. I tend to go on mm -hmm. the side of like people create it, like there's sort of a material thing, yeah. but there's like knock on or cumulative effects that uh, are, are kind of, you know, border on or are actually supernatural. And right. I think the way mass media or networked communication or the way we're relating to th each other right now, uh, I think that's what that's the medium for magic. Maybe it's not mm -hmm. actually magic, but like that's how we mediate the most meaning and truth in our society. So, mm -hmm. and it's all part of a, a larger chaotic system. So we don't exactly know what the actual levers are, but we're, <laughs> we're stuck in whatever the negative wave form of this yeah, cycle is. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I guess, right. I guess when I, when I say we're, symbolic... we're, we're, we're channeling all the bad energy right now and we're struggling to find the good energy. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. we can like, I think that that's a good way. Cause Donald Trump himself is such a, a media figure, a creature of the media. And so we could give shape through Donald Trump to what our worst fears of what the American system could be, because it was something that was at least uh, true or assimilatable to our consciousness. Uh, but we have no shared definition of what a common good is anymore. We have several competing yeah, goods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. right now the people in charge can only think of like, well, all I can do is control it as a fixed system. I recognize there are various goods, but here's a couple that are close together that we can sort of get a reasonable majority coalition on. And that's just going to be the terms of reality. And it's all about managing this closed little box when there's this wider cloud of ideas and power and energy outside of the system right, right now. And But we haven't agreed where to channel it. So it's just kind of like, that's why, you know, there's no real functioning left in America. We certainly have a plethora of, of leftist perspectives um, on a certain level, but there's no unify. It, it, that potentiality, that power has not found its appropriate medium to manifest into the world yet. We're, we're, we're definitely like on the fringe here of like a criticism of liberalism as a whole. Yeah. With the, with the, when it comes to like, yeah. I know, computing ideals of, of the good is not like possible in a society and liberalism kind of maintains a facade that we can we can juggle these different ideals of right like it's um, yeah 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 and and so it's like oh no uh we can sort of remake re like at a certain level our world is the product of several people or you know many all of us collectively making our ideas reality over a certain amount of time right. um media and culture is a, is, yeah. is a self-fulfilling prophecy and so and, and that I think is where, you know, the movies and that they really do predict the future in some ways, even if, even yeah. if there is no magical component to 100%, it, 100%, um, uh, just in the sense that they create the way that we think. And the fact that, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's a little known secret that the government and the military and all that is involved in actually shaping mm -hmm. those, those ideals. Like, you know, you take call of duty for, for instance, yeah, it may not yeah. glorify violence, but it certainly makes being a soldier seem cool. Yeah, um, uh, I'm yeah. a one of one of my um, things right now is like I, plugging plugging an outside thing, but uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, journalist, all around good guy, Pat Blanchfield runs an anti-imperialist um, Call of Duty stream usually every huh. Thursday <laughs> night, and so he's that's fast. Uh, he has a book coming out on Verso called Gun Power that I think is a really useful uh, thing. There's an episode of Odd Splice where I interview him and and Dan, who is the other mind behind um, the the Twitch stream, Cart Blanchfield. Um, but he's he's really insightful about uh, violence and sort of fascistic ideas in American culture right now. And so he sort of, yeah, he, he's looking at what Call of Duty tells us about what Empire thinks about itself right now. And a lot of it is on the newest Call of Duty. Like there's the Warzone component, but there's like this single yeah. player campaign that makes no goddamn sense. Like it's... Um, mm-hmm like you know it's it it winds up becoming this like oh nation states are bullshit the only thing that we can trust is each other this sort of like warrior international warrior class that's gonna try and you know police the world because the politicians are shit but there's also a ton of like evil scum fucks in the criminal world so it's like (laughs) we're the only guys like sort of able to stand uh so it's like trying to carve this worldview out of being like a really Mm -hmm. capable warrior and nothing makes sense anymore like it's it it's it's a it's a really um it's a really disorienting experience uh i've played through that thing yes. and um the multiplayer is a work of art as far as uh a game that's fun to play but oh, the sure. the aesthetics they choose are uh there's or a something. there's there's a lot of like you could read the entire like call of duty modern warfare franchise as, as basically a giant freudian slip about <laughs> uh the true nature of empire uh, to a certain extent, <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah. Follow Pat Blanchfield. That could be a book. He's... That that yeah. could certainly be. That could be your breakout novel because that oh, that is actually inc- incredibly timely, relevant, and I think that there's a lot that you could you could pull from that. That's that's a yeah. fascinating concept. Oh, about mm. or what the Freudian the cod being a Freudian. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah. that's Pat's insight. That I can't take credit for that. Man. Um, yeah, Pat Blanchfield. He's He's a good dude. Check out his shit. Um, nice. Oh yeah. Yeah, my podcast. Where he's on there. He's a really. We talk about the Purge movies. It was. It was really nice. great. Oh, I, I still haven't listened to that one yet. Dude, okay, yeah. That's, it's, that's what it is. Um, yeah. I had so much. Yeah, that was sort of my 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 podcast has been on like a year long hiatus. So that was like the first episode back. Then recorded with Josiah and my lit prof, and I've got some other stuff in the works. So I guess that's a plug oh, yeah. for me. Um, so, we, we do plugs so, at the end, man. Yeah, uh, we'll get. But to, yeah, we'll get to that. We can. We can. I, uh, this is all. I, I, uh, this is a huge aside that has nothing to do with what we're actually talking about. We're on the culture, culture in the CIA and, and the military and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to, it's, to it's real, man. Back in a bit. Culture um, CIA. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that we may have uh, we may be be closing the Manson circle to your to your point. And so I'm I've been kind of percolating on yeah on what you've been saying. And I I don't know if this makes any sense, but so we have yeah yeah pre Manson MK Ultra Nixon the. Uh, authoritarian united states that is just coming out of racial and class tensions and we have what is potentially a government built potentially cia driven serial killer who is destabilizing the culture um this culture that has been created around the hippie movement um that's taken and completely destabilized then 
you know, you take that and fast forward a couple decades, you have this explosion of like the true crime um, genre. You have probably, you know, the, the closest analogy of a president to Nixon in a while. Yeah, um, yep. <clears throat> just much more open about it. Elected and, you know, a year after Trump's election, Manson himself actually dies. Yeah. Kind of yeah. closing his story and a few short years after that, coming towards the end of Trump's first term, we have kind of the the culmination of the the racial tensions and um and yeah. in in some ways potentially I I certainly you, wouldn't call it a, a race war, but No, no. Um I, I, um, I wanna I, I think what we're living through is authentically apocalyptic. Um Yes. It's it's a revelation of the core tensions at, you know, just at the center of society, like that sticking point preventing any progress, any good action in history is the uh, the mistreatment of African-Americans and mm -hmm. uh, Latinx folks uh, by our law enforcement ap apparatuses in, you know, every form. Um, like we're getting out how you know it's like we truly knew that you know ice was a terrible almost gestapo organi gestapo like organization and now it's like oh holy shit they're legitimately that bad mm -hmm. like no <laughs> yeah. joke they are that bad well like, yeah look there's at there's um so there's <laughs> like i i feel like since the fall of the soviet empire uh Wow, that's a Freudian slip in and of itself. But the fall of the Soviet <laughs> Union, you know, my latent, my latent, uh, you know, suspicion that, uh, or, or, you know, we automatically assume that the Soviet Union was totalitarian, and it, and it was in a lot of ways. But at, at the end of the day, it represented an alternative to uh, capitalism. Uh, hey, you know, drink, drink. Ah. Uh, I'm amazed we got this far without saying capitalism. I, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> High fives all around. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. So, uh, I mean, I think the the reason the world has been getting smaller is because, uh, well, there the Soviet Union collapses, capitalism is triumphant. Uh, it's the end of history, and so then it just gets, oh, this is the reality now, and it kind of sucks. Uh, let's just invent our own monsters. And then, you know, for the last however many years, uh, like, Al-Qaeda is a thing because of Iran-Contra, you know, supporting the Mujahideen against the Soviet Union. And the it comes back to bite us in the ass. And, and, you know, the Saudi Arabia is involved with that, too. So it's like all this, like, imperial shit is reflecting back on us. And now it's like the core tension of our society is revealed uh, in a crisis mm -hmm. situation. George Floyd is murdered, and it's like, with everything else, the police are still killing black people with impunity. Uh, right. And then it just hooks it. And then I think, like, you're, I don't think it's debatable that America is anything other than a fascist country. Like, I think we can, we can just say that now. Mm. Like, there's yeah, no I, hemming, I and, the, there's no hemming the... and hawing. We have all of the same, like, organs that the Nazi state had. And we're doing well, a the... lot of the same shit. It's just not in that, like, sort of industrialized efficient spectacular way it's these quiet invisible ways that we can never really prove and mk ultra well, I, I like that, is i think that it's the a... seeds of that sorry go for yeah. it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to 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 connect that what we're finding and like literally within the last few weeks especially um just in general is that yes all the things that we suspect 
have been happening have actually been happening, they can now just go ahead and talk about it and it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, yeah, nothing. Cause that, that was yeah. always the, uh, the underlying yeah. assumption before is if they started talk about talking about it, then it yeah. would change. But what we're finding, and I'm, I'm thinking of Elon Musk's tweet where he was just like uh, about the lithium mines. Yeah. 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 He just straight up said, yeah, you know, and we'll do another, if we want, we'll do another coup if we want to. Um, yeah. We'll coup anybody we want. Yeah. Right. And it's, you know, the, the veil is off and it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, and that's cause we're stuck in this old paradigm where it's like, oh, we're just powerless individuals. We need our representatives who we've, you know, given power to do that. And I think we're in this long process where we we're realizing everything is broken and all we have is each other. And that is scary, right. but it's also exciting. Um, it is, it is. I, it's I like, think that what it's, we, uh, it's right. Like we're at this point, the only thing that's real is the virus. We can't negotiate with the virus. <laughs> You know, that that is the bare fact of our reality right now is that right. if we continue to live life like we have lived for the past nearly 50 years, we're going to die. <laughs> People we know are going to die uh -huh. and we can't fucking change because we well, foreclosed all these I, other possibilities and I, we're I, stuck I, in this in this mindset that just does. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to like I, I've been especially in light of COVID, it, it's very bizarre how much we're pretending that we're not in an apocalyptic situation right, right. now. Right. That's, yeah. that's been blowing my mind yeah. to a point but like I, I didn't think I it think would we're be still, this bad. Yeah, we're still in this denial stage. And this, this like, yeah. you go back to, like, you know, the civil, the, the protests that got the civil rights movement going are minuscule compared to what's going on worldwide yeah. right now. I, I... Um, made a joke at the very beginning of covid maybe not very beginning but like a month in when everybody was like talking about reopening where i you know i was like i'm gonna write a zombie movie about how like halfway through the zombie apocalypse they just tell everyone to go back to work yeah everybody's just like walking to work with shotguns and they're shooting <laughs> zombies on the way there and it just becomes a normal part of life this is not a metaphor. I'm just making this up on the spot. It's unrelated to what's going on right now. It's what I like. That was the joke version of that. But it fucks right. with me because that's the reality I, I'm like, feel like we're all dealing with right now is there's, there's just kind of this pretending like, like I'm fucking picking out classes for next semester. Right. And yeah. it's like, it's very surreal working through the living situations for next semester and stuff. Like this isn't going to be real. Like yeah. we're gonna have an outbreak like three weeks in, and I, I, yeah, I know yeah. that. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, no, I'm I mean, very as soon as aware. Season hits. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, man, it, mid September, early October, things are worse than they've ever been. You know, because everybody's coming in from different parts of the yeah. country. Like, it's it's gonna be a nightmare. But you know, that's just like the the world we live in now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's. And, I mean, yeah, all the all the uh, traditional apparatuses of enacting popular will while we're learning the, you know, the wrong people had access to that the whole time. And um, I don't know, the optimistic, like the reason things feel so bad is because we are aware of so much more than we used to be. And that's oh, that's God. part of the information overload. It's always been and bad. so and like it's uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's always been bad. It's always been way worse before you know because we weren't even aware of it or no one cared um and it was easier to cover things up but now it's like you have masses of people and just through sheer historical accident we're all carrying around movie cameras in our pocket constantly right. and we can take them we can make a movie 
and we can distribute it instantly. You mm-hmm. know, that's unprecedented. Nobody's been able to like produce like an actual, you know, and there's and there's counterflows in technology that are are there to sort of destabilize uh what is real and not like, you know, um yeah. like, you know, With the but, deep fakes. Right, right. You know, there's there's enough like, oh, that could be faked to give these things plausible deniability, which is is crazy, but we're we're getting more like yeah. authentic documents of what's actually happening on the street than we we yeah. we've ever gotten before. Um no because question. people can just or yeah, go for it. No, I was just agreeing. Oh, yeah. I thought I heard well, question. I... I'll specifically uh, no throw question. out there as as a uh, like <laughs> as like what I'm studying in college is philosophy, but also history. Mm-hmm. You know, I've made a joke, but it's kind of an interesting observation. I made a joke that I I really would never want to be a historian dealing with this era, yeah, um, because of like the the amount of uh, primary documents you'd have to deal with. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's also what's kind of interesting, and it actually feeds into your point that you were making, and it's a great place to end, which is <laughs> previous eras had control over the primary documents to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the reason yeah. it's so easy to write, it's not easy, it's difficult, but like you're able to put your own speculations and shit into like ancient history is because ancient history is five documents in a coin. Right, yeah. And that's, yeah. Like, that's what you're doing. Or even the French Revolution, it's like a bookshelf or two. Right, right. But, like, yeah. now it would be, man, the fucking yeah. different types um, of histories of 2020 will be absurd. Was There's um, so it's, many it's different resources. Because we yeah. were, you know, earlier in the podcast, we were talking about how difficult it is to tell what's true today. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, it's it's kind of clicking now, like... It, it has never been easier before. You just had yeah. less. You just had fewer options. Yeah. So well, yeah, you you have to rule with the official document. That's why yeah. like gender historians have a nightmare because what they're trying to do is like look at stuff that's written by straight white men in Rome or whatever, and have to like try to look at it and go like, well, where would gender fit into this? How can I figure out what the voices of women are at this time because they're not fucking writing? Yeah. And, you know, but now they are writing, but now we're dealing with the opposite problem where it's like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do with all these fucking sources. Yeah. There's so much. And the quality of the sources now varies so, so wildly. Yeah, yeah. It's nearly uh, impossible to tell who who has an opinion worth listening to. Exactly, exactly. Um, And and so we're at this weird moment where our traditional institutions of of authenticity, of of confirming things are true, are, are thrown in such doubt like because of a fox news like you know rating superseding mm-hmm. journalistic integrity um you know like okay so the traditional sources aren't real and so we're trying to build up this trust of our fellow man again because we've been told oh you can't mm-hmm. just listen to some guy on the street you need institutional backing to tell what's true and so now we're now it's like oh that's literally a primary document but then there's this knowledge that the technology can be faked so determining authenticity is this fine balancing act and i think it short circuits some people's brains i mean that's why QAnon's a thing because you're trying oh, yeah. to you know you're the first position of most of those people is they're protecting a very lily white vision of the american dream and but those are the mental gymnastics they need to pull off to justify their ideal world but, oh, but the problem God. is it's not even mental gymnastics anymore because right. You don't need to do mental gymnastics when you can literally just create your own sources. You know, so Twitter many, but, well, is well, is well, wonderful. No, for no, this. no, no. It's 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 not even just creating a source. Yeah. It's finding a source. 
Well, no, yeah, what I'm saying is your own feed. I, I, sor- yeah. your, own, so- your own feed that only contains the sources that already support what you already believe. So, you know, I, I see this with a lot of people where, you know, they'll, they'll get on Twitter and everybody likes what they see on Twitter. Yeah. And if they don't, they block it. And so they never come across opinions that disagree with what they're saying. They never come across other, other perspectives. Yeah. It's just the ones that they already agree with, things that they already support. And then they get further and further entrenched in those beliefs to the point, and this is even happened to me, to the point where you'll have a real conversation with somebody outside of this and start to be baffled as to why they don't have the context for some of these yeah. things that you do. Exactly. Yeah, which, I mean, exactly. Which is which is a tale of caution, I think, for the online left, such as like oh, no specifically say, say oh yeah, me yeah. Josh, me and yeah. Josh would say we're 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 like deep entrenched in like you know Leninist Twitter, and then we're suddenly like oh why does this like normal dude I met at this coffee shop not understand yeah what I'm yeah. talking about? Well, it's because you know my my worldview is limited to a hundred yeah. people, yeah, yeah, or whatever. So it's. Yeah. And I, I think the uh, I mean, I, I think I actually have an antidote for this is like, um, you know, we've been we've been shaped by uh, the forces of modernity for better and worse to, you know, th- mm-hmm. think of ourselves as, you know, we're still working with the inheritance of the 70s and the me decade. We think of ourselves as individual mm-hmm. selves, first and foremost. At least this is the journey of of the white man in America uh, um, forever, I guess. Um, right. <laughs> but we had the, we had the luxury to see ourselves as like a, a unique individual first and foremost. Like we're we're assumed to be the default of society, and so like the process is learning that yourself isn't sovereign, and there's no need to to guard it zealously. Like you only make sense if you're open to communication with other people. And that kind of gets perverted in the in the sort of liberal, uh, let's hold all viewpoints as equal, because that's still like, oh, that's two hardened individuals coming together and debating their relative merits. Um, I think we need to think in terms of an openness to legitimate dialogue. And, and part of that needs to be being able to identify your enemies. Um, right. If that makes if that makes sense, is it, it's that discernment. So it's like we already have enough information to know what's bad, um, and I think that's yeah. why we're finally seeing some uh, left of center and genuinely leftist activity in America for the first time, maybe since the '60s, and it's still anemic compared to that because that had so many years of buildup. Like um, one thing they don't tell you about is the Red Summer of 1919. Um, oh, like yeah. if there was, if oh, there was, yeah. if there was a potential <laughs> for a second American revolution, it was then. And then arguably now is the closest we've ever gotten to that. Um, but like, yeah, the real red scare, if there ever was one, was the summer of 1919. Um, mm-hmm. and the American left has been embattled ever since then. And yeah, was at its I mean... lowest after the fall of the Soviet Union. And now we're just starting to bounce back in a real way, which means it's still like very powerless and uh, grasping for any way to influence reality if, if right you, now. If you want to yeah. talk about years of fucking like ritual that like represent a major change, 1919, God yeah. fucking damn. <laughs> like that is, that is, you know, the like kind of starting to establish the Soviet Union that's when Mao takes yeah. hold as like a public figure. That's a major year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so I mean, a we're big year. Yeah, I mean, uh, for better and worse, we're living through the death throes of uh, 
a certain phase of neoliberalism and uh you know mm-hmm. the the forces of reaction are, are definitely arrayed to protect the status quo but i mean we're seeing more people right. who recognize that everything's fundamentally broken than ever before um so i mean personally as just some dipshit on the internet uh i'm cautiously optimistic about now like these are at least mm-hmm. the conditions for a, a real sense of freedom um, but I, you know we're not out of the woods it, yet. <laughs> well, I, don't, I, think, I don't know that I think, we've even entered the woods, think, honestly. Like yeah. I, I think that it's it's not often understood enough how deeply entrenched the powers at be actually are. Yeah, like yeah. Elon Musk is a good example because you know he puts himself out there on the internet, says whatever he wants, does whatever he wants. He's widely recognized in like the leftist groups as kind of what he is, but not what he actually is because you yeah. you can say he's a bad person he's a just a dumb dumb guy who doesn't know how to do anything who's not actually a genius who's doing nothing else but he is also you know, are you gonna say what i think you're gonna say what Go am i gonna, what do you think i'm gonna say uh we're talking apartheid era emerald mines <laughs> no, I was. Are we, are I was we going this to a the different true, direction. Like intergenerational sin of the Musk clan. Like this. We'll, is... we'll get there. But what what I am focusing on right now is he has more power alone, just him by himself, than the vast majority of people give him credit for. Like, oh yeah, yeah. As yeah, especially but, as but a the media you know, the worst figure. part is sorry. Yeah, the, go for it. The sorry, people. Man. You know, he has an ins- just mind-boggling amount of power. It cannot be overstated. And he is nothing compared to all the people you don't know about. You know, yeah. the rooms full of billionaires who aren't on any of the billionaire lists. You know, there's there's strong evidence that the world's first trillionaire has been, like, that was a while ago. We're, we're on and past that. You just don't know about them. Right. Because the people who are truly powerful, they don't want to be in this no. kind of limelight. Yeah. So we're just getting, like, billionaire light as the people that we're, we're seeing. And so it's it's terrifying because, you know, when we're... Yeah, yeah. When, when and, we're and saying is, that we're yeah. <laughs> making progress, it's we're, we haven't even started. And, and yeah. that war is not going to be something that we see. Yeah, yeah. I think... Uh, yeah, I know it's it's it's, it's, it's it, this is a man, oh man, we, know, we, we, this is like two episodes at this point. Um. I, I, I'm gonna say this is gonna be our longest episode. I'm gonna yeah. say it's gonna be like a two part episode. I will say eight eight minutes ago we passed when we normally end. Right. Uh, but no it's it's, we still haven't even done the end like i mean if there's just a uh i mean if if i can put a little stamp on your sentiment there jared Mm -hmm. uh i mean it's that's um the variety of conspiracy theories that there are and, and i think part of my interest in them is uh so there's like the there's a sort of for lack of a better term right now like right and left approaches to conspiracy so sure one the right being like q where you're inventing a mythology to make sense of what you know and mm-hmm. uh and it's sort of like your lens through that's how you, that's just how you've been reduced to making sense of the world is through q right but then there's the other thing where you know maybe exemplified by uh epstein folks and like the true and mm-hmm. thing uh, is is finding like staying on the side of what's verifiable but speculating what's beyond the records because right. like well, what we have on record points to some truly horrifying shit uh, and i think you're right there's people <laughs> who don't want to be known that have more influence than we can imagine um well, it's, it's just like, but it's still like I, I, we only know the things I, that they 
didn't like they forgot to get rid of. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I, I, I was gonna say if this if this podcast has a position, we're not really conspiracy theorists full on, but I'd say we fall into the left conspiracy theorist kind of model you just described yeah. here, where sure. We're, pr- we're pretty realist about it. Like, we, we denied Roswell in the second episode, but um, on the whole... But we also we defended also magic people... in this episode, so, you know. Yeah, we're, am we're am also... I making you guys be, like, a little sincere for a second? Am I, am I, yeah. uh, am I bringing... <laughs> oh, the... shit. Shit. We gotta get back to ironing points. <laughs> I, I think that this is Dude, probably I, one I'm, of our uh, most genuine yeah. episodes. I'm just... I'm... I'm, I'm f- like I thought I was an irony guy. I'm a I'm an uncomfortable sincerity guy. Like <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm I, like a middle ground. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I find irony hilarious. I'm very bad at it. Uh, so it just becomes this sort of cartoon irony that just becomes me being generally mad at we'll, stuff. We'll we'll see as I get older <laughs> if I, I I'm in the same position. But I yeah. feel like I'm um I'm an irony guy to an extent. But I'm like, as most people in my life could say, I'm ridiculously honest. Um, mm. And so I do have a sincerity to me as well. And yeah. I, like, like actually, hey, if you want to hear me talk about this more, you should listen to Odd Splice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get I, to, I, I, I bring this, I bring this, <laughs> me, and, me and Josiah bring this out of each other somehow. Like it's, we just, yeah. Well, it was me defending why uh, It's a Wonderful Life is my favorite movie. Yeah. In yeah. a completely non-ironic sense. But yeah, anyway, sorry. um yeah i don't know uh painful sincerity i don't know where were we on the what are we trying to cap this off a little (laughs) we we, Uh, we gotta cap this off because we have end segments too yeah (laughs) well let's move into the ends anyway uh maybe this is just where we leave it if there's one message i have it's it's some conspiracy theory can be kind of useful to navigate in the world and uh really the only people you can depend on are your loved ones and your neighbors and uh uh you know eat the rich i guess let's let's just use that one <laughs> that go. outdated uh, call to arms uh let's let's get that as as uh josh's final statement everybody should have a final statement yeah yeah i guess that's sure. yeah yeah all right uh, do cool you have one ready because i'm just kind of thinking yeah i do um here's my final statement it's um from Stephen paul taylor <laughs> The podcast's new favorite uh synth pop uh, musician <laughs> is uh everybody knows that shit's fucked that's that's my <laughs> final <laughs> statement <laughs> i i definitely watched that little video uh a few times today it brought me great joy you uh, should uh you should oh look man. at the song that it's a real song on spotify it's so bad oh man uh well jared thinks it's bad, it's so bad. i i kind of agree but i think it's got a charm to it okay all right <laughs> it's it's also in it's also got this like 9/11 trutherism to it. Oh, of, like the of whole course. song's yeah. about like 9/11. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what's right, my takeaway? Um, um, oh yeah, Jared has Jared. his takeaway. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I just think this is a really definitely one of our more interesting episodes. I don't know if this is going to be like as fun to listen to. <laughs> I it's gonna put the hooks in the right people but yeah not yes. many people who i don't know I, I don't know if you have sketched out your ideal listener yet but i'm i'm not sure anybody who will uh yeah um <laughs> i let, i'm just gonna say i'm uh i hope i get it out there i'm i'm a niche figure yeah. like i have a i have a very like narrow casted appeal but uh i, I don't know i think, I think it's all 
I, I enjoy is, talking about I actually this stuff. Kinda, <laughs> Me too. No, Josh, I Josh, Josh actually tapped into what we were doing really well in a conversation we had at one point where it was mm-hmm. like, it's like the irony boy kind of shit that normally would be on come town, but like tempered quite a bit by Midwestern niceness. Right. <laughs> right. And I think that's quite yeah. a, quite a good description. Like, of yeah, it's a different modulation of that sort of irreverence, but yeah, I mean, I just, uh, God, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm really fucking with your whole uh, setup just by no. appearing, <laughs> but in a in a great way. Uh, we we needed no, I mean, we that, need that more, is our more tankies on here. Yeah, I, I man, is tanky even my ideal? I mean, I have a hammer and sickle tattoo, know. so that's I, I that's as close <laughs> that's as that's pretty tanky. A white boy from a small town in Minnesota can can hope for. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh. T- tanky relative to Midwest boy yeah yeah not, not not tanky and like the new york intellectual who's sympathizing right. with the soviet union but like i mean I, I do have some sympathy for the soviet but yeah it's I'm, I, I try did, to be i, I try to be as clear-eyed about the soviet union <laughs> as possible because uh, yeah. that affects some people um that's yeah, uh, t- that's real tepid stalin apologetics rather than yeah it's and it's it's at that level of like <laughs> oh at least it was not capitalism or something and then it's hey that's a during that's a that's a drink um all right let's get into this end stuff yeah Uh, yeah i'm sorry guys we have end stuff no no it's great (laughs) all right (laughs) that concludes our portion on charles manson (laughs) (laughs) i love it oh yep this is this is perfect this is giving me flashbacks to last week when we recorded the Odd Splice episode. Yeah, we're I like, think it'll be it'll be an hour, and then we went for three hours. Good lord! Yeah, at least yeah. All, all told, I mean, a good hour of that was just us like chopping it up before I even started the real episode. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to figure out what me and Josiah's energy is because like we bring something out in each other that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like I don't know, we're vibrating at too similar a frequency, so very uh, similar. I yeah. mean, yeah. I, I mean, what? It, what yeah. It, I I think what it's very similar upbringings and both being Magnificast adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. Which is kind I've, of. I mean, I've plugged them on previous episodes. Yeah, yeah Magnificast. Listen to them. Which Great uh, I mean, yeah. I went to college with Dean and every. Uh, um. So that's my tenuous <laughs> connection to fame. I guess is. <laughs> Dean has written for nationally circulated Catholic publications. A very, <laughs> and, very uh, obscure Catholic communist author, and you know him, and that's your claim. Right? Name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was on one of the early episodes of a of a podcast that became influential in one of the tiniest subcultures in American history. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I mean, incredible. I don't know. Like the the embarrassing yeah. thing I've said about. Of Magnificast for sure is is in a way it's the podcast that saved my faith. Yeah, and that's like the yeah, that's no, the kind of troublingly they, uh, sincere part of me saying that. They but yeah, like they're really nice, but like you can tell when they're angry. They're not a, they're not afraid to get pissed, and I think that's what that's kind of the secret sauce is like they're not they're authentically positive in that they're truly nice Midwestern boys, but then they get like really pissed off at capitalism yeah 
Um, and it comes from a, a very of... a genuine and very spiritual place. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> God, yeah. I mean, that's if, if there's so this is like very legal, very cool and odd splice brand synergy. But then it's just yeah. one giant ad for the Magnificat. Right. <laughs> 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 what it winds up being. <laughs> if there's a common thread between these two things, it's like, oh, hey, we're we have tenuous personal connections to this incredibly niche podcast that has a bigger <laughs> listenership than both of our podcasts. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, nice. I mean, Despite... if you want to get it unvarnished as, as possible, that's, that's the bedrock right there. <laughs> all oh, right. Man. All right. Despite I'll... being a host of very legal, very cool. I do feel kind of like a tourist in this world, which is, uh, <laughs> it's, which is you're, interesting. You're, you're, yeah. you're less you're less on left Twitter, I think, than I. Yeah, I I'm it's... less I'm less online in general. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I think my we're... offline life is not at all connected yeah. to much of this. Yeah, it's but... it's a it's a tiny thing for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Let's let's close but this off. Let's, been going yeah, for let's, a while. let's, see, let's, let's see, get into let's the see. next half hour, which is pretty right. much our closing. <laughs> so usually it is a whole half hour to start us off. Josh, um, we would love it if you would do our Patreon ad. Okay, what? Uh, very legal, very cool. It's in the title. Get uh, get that Patreon. Give them give them those dollars. That's that's the most succinct, straight to it. Um, I do like that that Josh hasn't tried to throw in an extra Patreon guarantee that most. Right, there was nothing like profoundly negative for us, like every other one of these. I, I'm I think actually, that Josiah, I'm you're you're on the hook for sucking a lot. If he doesn't <laughs> do I, it, uh, Jared, did you did you do a twenty dollar Patreon tier yet? I haven't added the twenty dollar tier yet. Um, but we've talked about it, right? No we one's talked about do it, it, but we never actually like cemented what we were going to put on if, it. If somebody does the twenty dollar Patreon thing, we'll make fun of them. We'll do the usual shit. We'll probably add right some everything on below. It. But uh, I'll buy you a copy of Chaos. <laughs> the the book nice. that that Josh was. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Here we go. I mean, yeah, we go. read that book. It's, I, it's really good. I, I um, couldn't. I yeah. couldn't justify. It. I couldn't justify it with the ten tier when I was looking at the price. But yeah, we're I actually losing money that way. <laughs> I mean, I think you, you might at least break even on that deal, if not a walk with some, uh, with like a, you know, at least a, a um, like draft PBRs worth of currency I, in your pocket. I've already the had they to stay buy month somebody month. a copy of the Roswell effect because of the <laughs> second episode, so I, I gotta stop making these promises. Yeah, somebody's gonna do it just to get the free book. What what what, what should okay, we do? Yeah, yeah. Just... So, um, on top <laughs> of, on out, top of uh, talking about the Patreon, uh, we've also got... We, uh, Jared, did we have another iTunes review we have to read? Oh, yeah, your dad. Your dad, uh... <laughs> Fuck, your dad yeah, left I, I, should, I should probably read it since it's you my should dad. Read it. Let me see if I can find it. One second. Very legal. Very cool. Uh, okay. Uh, here's a review. The subject line is, uh, what is this? Why am I here? Question mark. Five stars. This podcast is. And that was the review. <laughs> Um, knowing what what limited knowledge I have of your dad, that's kind of everything I need to know about that man. I think I, I think I have a, between what you've divulged to me and then this little piece of his own self-expression, I, I feel like I have a, a handle on his being, so to speak. Mm-hmm. All the right. worst part it's is a... all of our reviews. Are I mean, like I, exactly I don't want to like say I, I don't want to say I encapsulate his being. Um, we're all. <laughs> 
you know, we, we're all possessed of, of a sort of, in a sense, infinite potential. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think I understand him on some level. However, all right. sorry. that. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. That was a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> I'm dropping two Twitter ads into the, the discord here. These are and... Patreon subscribers. Uh, and so therefore we have to mock them because they paid but money an for exciting, us to make fun of them. Exciting news. I think this is the last episode that, uh, that they've, uh, that they get. I think we're ruthless. done with them, yeah. Yeah, um, we're going to have to get I, this, some more Patreons. This might, this might be released at the very beginning of August, but we'll call it part of July. Um, so we have Jeff Van Dusen and uh, Ross Dixon, both loyal $10 subscribers to the Patreon. Uh, we got we to gotta make them feel bad about themselves. Okay. Um, that's... To start, uh, you know, Ross was on the episode last week. Yeah, and I think that's pretty much everything you need. To... That that was <laughs> he the, would be on uh, this podcast. So hands down, the funniest thing was having Ross make fun of himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I've I've only got the low blow of Jeff VD. Like, what venereal disease you got? You got it. <laughs> way to way to have those initials in your last name uh, that relate to a thing that we think is bad. So you're nice. bad, Jeff. You're bad. Sick burn, bro. I got, got it. it. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. <laughs> I would like to point out that that's uh, all I got. That Ross recently um, liked a tweet that's like, just from Kanye West saying, "I will beat Biden off." <laughs> I feel this like that's isn't... at least a constructive action in the world. <laughs> I... <laughs> I mean, I, like, I feel like uh, that's going to have more of a positive effect than not, you know, depending. Sure, sure. I, yeah. This isn't this isn't attacking Ross. Honestly, I really should attack him more because that's what he's paid me for. But he's been <laughs> the show, so fuck him. Um, but his most recent like tweet says, "Detroit become Italian." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, what was it the uh, the David the David Cage multiple. game? That man. <laughs> Jeff has like multiple of those. Uh, have y'all noticed the heart like thing does this animation when you click at tweets? <laughs> and I'm assuming he forgot about it, and then hey, a couple days later but, found it again. My my favorite part of uh, of Jeff being a Patreon subscriber is he's just uh, he's kind of a rich kid uh, who just subscribed to us, and he hasn't listened to a single episode. Oh, that's Which amazing. Is good, because you would, you know, probably... I mean, yeah, that's that's just some pure patronage. Oh, I'm sure what you're doing is good. Please take my, my $10. It is literally nothing to me. Uh, enjoy <laughs> this $10 that will cover, you know, 65% of your hosting fees for the month. Uh, enjoy this. Because I just weep. lay atop my shitty yellow Mustang. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Jeff has some, like, maybe redeeming or recognizable human qualities, but... Oh, uh, uh no. Oh, okay. Well, fuck <laughs> Jeff. Uh, maybe it would have been better if you were an abortion buddy. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe that, maybe whatever resources were used to, uh, support your life would have been better used in social programs, you fuck. Uh... I... <laughs> 
Now I le I'm legitimately wishing ill upon this person. I, I'm sort of uh, I'm sort of worried he's gonna he's listen a... to this and be right. offended. But then I remember <laughs> this is the that only he gave us ten dollars to. to insult him on the podcast. So if he starts bitching, I don't care. Right? Yeah, I mean he gave you ten dollars <laughs> for at least how, however exactly many months. Exactly what I mean. To wanted. be fair, yeah. like, he's a hardcore <laughs> Biden supporter. Does it really matter how he feels? That's true. <laughs> we already got your money, bitch. Yeah. Oh God. I, I mean, I hope none of that can Actually, be like we technically have threat. I mean, I'm just. <laughs> You know, I'm not actively working towards his well, life being uh, worse, but I'm I'm putting that energy out there. Uh, uh, a, a the idea more. of Jeff VD suffering uh, causes positive <laughs> feelings uh, in in within me. Um, but I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not trying to actively harm you, Jeff. I'm you know like live and let live and all that. I I right. I don't care what your whole deal is but uh however per our previous conversation the collective conscious does manifest the future yeah well, yeah I, you're right i i, I mean I, I, I it's it's a potentiality now it's it's out there it exists right. we uh, we brought we our, our previous guest austin did point out a loophole which is that anything you say doesn't count as libel because we're the ones publishing it so we would get sued uh okay and, but then you can just say, like, the views are not our own or whatever. Yeah, like, I, this, I really this, don't this, think that holds water, Josiah. No, yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I, I, I like it because it encourages people to say mean shit when yeah. I say <laughs> it. I mean, on the, uh, I suppose on the, on the plus side, I mean, the circulation of this is low enough that everyone kind of, you know, would make a good faith effort to understand the context of these right. things. Well, until that I... one episode that for no reason goes viral and then yeah, canceled because yeah. it's like totally out of context. <laughs> it's like going to be the, it'll be the Mr. Hands episode or something like that. And then it's just like, oh, wow, I really, guys like I really about hope it's sex. not the Mr. Yeah, no, it's so... going to be the one you care the least about. It's going to be the right. thing you put the least thought into is going to be the thing that people just go nuts over. Mm-hmm. Like that's the way it always works. No one's gonna recognize you for what you actually want to be recognized for. Like it is just gonna be. <laughs> like no, if you're gonna, gonna make it the... big, it's gonna be the fluke thing that aligns with the zeitgeist for a brief moment. Like it's. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying this as somebody who wants to make video and audio things expressing myself to people for money. I want people mm -hmm. to pay me for these things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no question. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Oh my God! We, it's our, been our... half a day already. How long have we been? <laughs> this has been so long. It's great. It's great. No, I, I've accepted this is our longest episode now. So, so like I've, I've like, I yeah. think like every episode is a little longer that. than the last. So the next. Yeah, I know. Be... So this Ooh. is gonna be the two-hour one, I assume. <laughs> Pretty yeah, soon it's yeah. just going to be like a 24-hour I mean, uh, until you get to work. that uh, that sort of Warnered level where you can charge like five bucks per episode and they're all two and a half hours long minimum. Hell yeah! Right. Uh, well, that's that's the that's the dream. I think the next segment is I read my favorite tweet um, from the year from the the week, and of course uh, this has been refashioned for the purposes of the audio board as um, Twitter news. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I stepped on your bed. Oh my god, guys. <laughs> that was easy. This is so long. 
Um, I was trying to find a tweet I could read that wouldn't just seem mean-spirited. Jesus Christ. Make it stop. <laughs> That was easy. Okay. Uh, I, I had some, some tweets I was going to read, but they were all mean-spirited in a way that I wasn't ready to deal with. So mm-hmm. um, today I've, I'm going to read a tweet. It's from uh, it's from this bot account called Every Word Did 9-11. Uh, it goes to the entire English language and says each word did 9-11. And mm-hmm. recently, a very on-brand on tweet came out, which was, uh, Baseball did 9-11. Sorry, what was that? Baseball did 9-11. Which I felt like was really on-brand for this podcast as a whole. That's that's it. That's I think, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you gotta catch, you gotta catch phrase there. Uh, make, I'll buy the t-shirt, 9/11. honestly. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. We should make a T-shirt that says "Baseball did 9/11." Okay, we yes, should. I'm into that. Yeah, that's that's not uh, that's not intellectual property theft at all. Even though uh, you know, uh, the validity okay, of intellectual property <laughs> is is up for debate, I think it, it, it will say "Baseball did 9/11," and there'll be an asterisk next to that. And if anybody's looking at the T-shirt long enough, at the very bottom, it will say "Josh Christensen came up with this idea." Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> proper proper citation and attribution. Yeah, um, yeah, that'll right. make it. That'll make it legitimate. That'll do it. Uh, what else do we is it just plugs i think that's it yeah um yeah i i yeah i guess Josh, go uh, first. yeah uh i i have all my my shit on oddsplice.com right now i'm uh i i somewhat foolishly made an entire website for myself um but it has podcasts and some you know precious few videos but i'm trying to uh keep making stuff right now and try and get paid in some way for doing that at some point don't have a patreon yet um so odds place uh you can follow me on twitter at noam chomsky uh it's oh, it's yeah. supposed to be noam chomsky but uh the the version of that name with the o in it was taken so i had to replace oh. the vowel oh um, that's that's the story behind that okay yeah yeah so that's why it uh yeah somebody else who i don't think is i i don't know at all has the name i actually wanted so i just took the uh the counterfeit version as my own and it's it's more or less the online identity i'm stuck with at this point <laughs> so uh yeah i'm on there I, i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry this is interrupting your plug Oh, that's but that's kind of yeah. At, at Noam Chomsky is currently their their profile picture is a steak cut into the shape of the U.S. Okay. Their, their bio is Shadow Counselor, and the last tweet was from 2016, and it says nuns, nuns, reverse, reverse, hashtag Father Jack. I feel like I could have done a better job with that account. I think you I, I honestly <laughs> like I mean the amount of energy I've put into Twitter for like basically no reward for an entire decade is uh yeah I, I, I'm just saying I have a lot of free content out there <laughs> um, it's good content. there's also I, I don't know how I, I like on balance what the quality is but I stand by most of it I think uh I haven't I haven't gone back to the truly mortifying shit I did in college so uh you know I guess yeah, have yeah. at that right. uh but I think I'm on record at how unwoke I was at certain periods in my life, so uh, I don't think anything's that bad in there. But uh, 
right, sorry. Anyway, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm on I'm on the internet. I'm an acquired taste. I admit that, but I'm I'm trying to express myself in a in a productive way. So, um, yeah, there's stuff out there. Oddsplace.com at Gnome Chamsky, G N O M E C H A M S K Y. Yeah, those are my plugs. All right, All right. Josiah. Jared. Oh, okay. Josiah. Cool. Oh I fuck! I ha- I had some plugs. What was I gonna do? Oh, I was gonna I was gonna plug the book, uh, "How to Be an Anti-Racist" by Ibram Kendi. I believe. <laughs> um, I do actually like it quite a bit. Okay. Part of the reason part of the reason I don't want or I do like it quite a bit is because I read uh, "White Fragility" like a couple weeks ago, and it was jarringly really good in comparison. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like if you're gonna read anything that's on the BLM list that get thrown out there. Uh, do, do the Kendi book. It's, it's at so least the uh, the least worst well, introduction to some of that oh, stuff. For maybe. sure, and it's got it's got some actual real materialist analysis. Okay, okay, like, hands down, hands down. It, yeah, it is, his I, uh... argument is very material based. Okay, I, I, I mean I, that's better than nothing. I mean, I, I've oh, only yeah. I've I, only really I, interacted with the criticism of it, but uh, really, I, I yeah. should probably read more of the criticism. But I'm gonna say, if you're gonna read anything about that, I would take that yeah. book over White Fragility literally yeah. any day. Um, oh fuck, I was gonna. Oh, I I mean, I guess podcast wise, listen to um. Oh, citations needed. That was what I was gonna do. Um, based off of this entire conversation we just had, uh, you should start listening to Citations Needed. It's a podcast about uh, what is it? Fuck uh, PR, yeah, power in the in the, in the, media. the history yeah, of bullshit. Yeah. yeah, it's great, it's... and it's also <laughs> about how like if anybody's doubtful about the CIA intruding the media or about police unions, oh shit. Um, beep, beep. Um, or about police unions intruding media listen to citations needed it's not a conspiracy podcast at all it's very well researched it's like a legit yeah. podcast and they will take you to town yeah. it's about like a... how, how power plays in the media yeah yeah i want to i want to hop on that like i mean there was there was a time in my life where i'm like oh if you want to get into left politics like check out chapo and that that was a gravely mistaken opinion <laughs> uh citations <laughs> needed is the real deal like legitimately educational cuts through the oh, bullshit yeah. you know they're mm-hmm. they have a sense of humor but they are you know they are in the business of actually educating people um about stuff so jared, jared. Like, I I would like to to plug a, a little known podcast known as Very Legal, Very Cool. It is it's a, it's like a conspiracy trivia show that uh, is very clearly run by people with ri- liberal arts degrees, um, and just two friends that bring on some of their friends and they talk about weird shit that they find and. In general, it's not very good. It's poorly researched and largely not very funny. But I have enjoyed the few episodes that I've listened to. I've had the opportunity to actually be on a couple episodes, and so you can actually hear me talk there. Which I think I I think I've done okay. You know, I haven't done many podcast podcasts before, but I would definitely recommend it. Um, and their their Twitter account is kind of a work of art in and of itself. So um, yeah, that would be my plug. Okay. Hell well, yeah. th- th- thank you, Jared, for that. <laughs> um, no I'm assuming that meant that Jared did not 
think of anything that would be on the plugs today, and that was his cop out. No, I had one, but I thought this would be better. What's the, okay? What's your real plug? I was going to plug a book that I read recently. Was it? And I forgot the name. And that's why I did <laughs> <No>. this. <laughs> Hell yeah! I I know that due to my previous plug, you're reading bullshit jobs by David Graeber, and I'm happy. About I that. am I am reading bullshit jobs now, and it is pretty decent. Um, and I'm I'm balancing that out by reading another book called um, Contagion, which is about viral media marketing and how to do it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that you can maintain that proper dem sock like middle ground. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Those are basically the two two parts of my life connecting. I I feel like we should conclude our hands down our longest episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll shoulder the burden of that. I'm uh, yeah. And I knew this was coming because, again, we did like three hours of raw, uh, raw recording when I went on Odd Splice. I, I knew what I was getting. Yeah, to there's the there's too much. Uh, <laughs> there's too much ground to cover and we have too many things in common. So this is what happens, <laughs> folks. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad we were able to to really dive into the topic, though, because I feel like that's uh, yeah. something yeah, you don't is... get a lot with the shorter podcasts that aren't afraid to do a really long episode yeah, you know I we're mean, brave in that we will so, sit and talk for hours and make others listen right i mean yeah man yeah it's and it's all necessary like people need all to right. know this mm-hmm. stuff they do they do all right all right all right yeah. all right uh thank you for listening to very legal very cool a podcast about boiling sarcophagi to find uh, the Manson Murders, I think I said. Um, our music is a garage band loop that I found uh, and put a drum beat behind. And you can listen to us at, or you can find us at Very Legal, Very, or Be Legal, Be Cool on Twitter. Be um, Legal, Be Cool Pod. Be Legal, Be Cool Pod. I'll fix that in post. Or Very Legal, Very Dot Cool Dot Com. That was easy. 